Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. A little bit under the weather. Uh, not, I don't feel bad, but like I sound bad a little. Got a little bit of the sniffles. We'll be all right. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> as far as, obviously, in case you missed it, some breaking news came out today. As Sean Payton is heading to Denver to take over as the next head coach of the Broncos. A lot of people upset about the compensation. I don't think the compensation was actually as bad as some people believe that it is. You could have waited for Sean. Uh, you know, you could have let him go another year. The compensation would not have been as good. You wouldn't have got a first round pick. And look, if he wants to go, he wants to go. What's what's enough for me is is that when times got really tough, like when when Sean didn't have Drew for that one long year, he wanted to hang it up. He had had enough. He had gone through multiple seasons with Drew getting hurt and having to have Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill. I, I think he'd had enough and wanted a little bit of a break. Not even a year has gone by and Sean Payton is back as a head coach in the NFL. We'll talk about that here tonight. Uh, as I, I mean, look, it's very monumental uh, that he is. Rafino's rants. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to have to be careful with that one. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna, I might hold off on that one just a little bit. Uh, just to, because I think that there's going to be some people that don't understand or don't really understand the meaning of what I'm going to be talking about. So we'll, we'll postpone that to next Tuesday as I think that there'll be some news coming out. I thought was coming out today 
We'll see. We, we, we might get to it at the very, very end. A uh, signing day is tomorrow. So the last signing day or what used to be the traditional signing day is tomorrow. We'll talk about what we expect from LSU. I don't expect a whole hell of a lot. I think LSU sits in a really, really good spot uh, as well. Speaking of signing day, I will do what I think the Saints can do in the draft now that they have that number 29 overall pick. We'll talk about net. We'll talk about that in the Peyton to Denver uh, 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 segment in just a minute. Graham Coffee joins us. The Dog Out West joins us at 730. Uh, I guess what's going to happen with Georgia as we continue to talk around the SEC, we'll kick around some college football with him. What does he think about LSU and them returning all of their pieces? Uh, Grub snubs Saban. Nick Saban got uh, snubbed, guys. So, uh, by Grubb. In case you missed it, Nick Saban has been interviewing and talking to some offensive coordinators. Long story short, it would seem as if that Washington's offensive coordinator, um, Washington's offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, uh, met with Alabama this uh, last couple within the last couple of days. He was offered the Alabama OC job and he turned it down. Uh, is Saban getting some situations where people aren't really wanting to take jobs from him? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. As they continue to wait on what's going on with the coordinator hires. Uh, in Alabama, we will we'll, uh, continue to monitor that. I'm kind of tired of seeing two Pooh Bear. I'm kind of tired of seeing the B- Joe Brady to to Alabama talk. Like, golly, man. I mean, y'all y'all are just getting out of control with that. And then we'll see. I don't. Know. We'll see. That was mainly going to be about my my thing tonight. Joe Brady's not gone, guys. We've talked about this at, at length and at nauseum. I don't think that Joe Brady's going to Alabama. If he does good for him, I mean, he it doesn't really matter to me. I don't think he's, you know, he doesn't have Joe. So, we'll see. And as we do every Tuesday and Thursday, hashtag Ask Blake. So, you have thoughts, questions, concerns. We get to them all uh, here tonight. Let me do this, though. Let me give a shout-out to our good friends over at Synergy Resources. Synergy Resources, LLC. Go see them over at SynergyResLLC.net. That's SynergyResLLC.net. For hoses, pipes, fittings, they do it all. Let them know that Blake sent you on by. Give our good friend Tully a call. Um, Stephen Fry, as we get to a couple comments before we get rolling, he says, Blake, why don't we hear anything from the media about why Sean wanted out of New Orleans so bad? Well, I think... Look, I'm going to I'm going to say something that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. I think that there's only one possibly two people that cover the Saints that are really worth a damn. And, and I do mean that like really really worth a damn. They don't call out Mickey Loomis. They don't call out people and you know, we've had John Hendricks on here a lot. I think Nick Underhill obviously a lot of people like him. But some of their football takes kind of stink. Not meaning those two guys. I just mean holistically. I mean, it kind of stinks. You know, well, I I just don't understand why, you know, 
I don't understand why people can't look at Sean as the person that he is. Like, Sean's always kind of been a little bit of an asshole, and I don't think people can see past him. Is he a Super Bowl winning coach? Yes. Should he have gone to multiple Super Bowls? Probably. Did he? No. He had one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. I think that some would say that they the Saints kind of underachieved with the talent and the quarterback that they had not getting to multiple Super Bowls. Maybe they should have gotten to two, obviously, with the NOLA no call. But Saints, uh, but Sean's a little bit of an asshole. So you can say what you want. You can love him all you want. But he didn't want to be here anymore. He quit, quote-unquote, retired because the going was going to get tough. And then now he's back in Denver with a quarterback that's about the same height as Drew Brees. <laughs> I mean, and it doesn't even seem as if that Denver wanted his Rudy Poo ass uh, as they were going after D'Amico Ryans and basically was begging D'Amico to be their next head coach. They didn't want to give up picks for Sean Payton, but nevertheless, they did it. But the new owners of the Broncos, they don't need money. I mean, hell, they own Walmart. They don't need any money. They don't need any money. Uh, Father Bear says, Carmichael to Denver. I will tell you this. It will be very telling, very telling if Sean brings Pete Carmichael with him to Denver. Please, sweet God. Please, sweet God. Because the first call that I'm making is Eric Bieniemy says that he wants out of Kansas City. I'm calling and begging, begging Eric Bieniemy. I'm making him the highest paid offensive coordinator in all of football. And all of football, legitimately in all of football, is what I, I'm paying Eric Bieniemy to be my OC. you got to go get a quarterback. I think Hendon Hooker is going to be there with your first pick. I think Hendon Hooker is going to be there with your second pick. Do you take Hendon Hooker? I don't know. Lamar Jackson is going to get franchise tagged. Uh, franchise tagged. New England, I mean, Green Bay is not willing to to ship. Um. Aaron Rodgers inside of the NFC. I mean, the only the only thing that could happen is you pray to God somehow you pull a rabbit out of the hat and Derek Carr comes to you. I mean, that's all I can really see. We'll, so we'll have to see. We do got some LSU stuff we got to talk about here tonight too, because we do have early, uh, we do have signing day tomorrow. Andrew Pulse of Martin says Grub already has a great situation with Michael Penix Jr. At Washington, smart not to bolt to become a scapegoat for Saban. I agree with that. I 1,000% agree with that. But I think what – and look, I'll just shift my Rafino's ranch that. I, I, look, I, I'm going to I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I think – look, they recruited at a very high level. Me did Alabama. But when has Saban had issues? Now, look, he could go out there and hire two guys tomorrow and make me look like a damn fool. But – I mean, the reports are coming out that they offered uh, Grubb the offensive coordinator job, and he turned it down. That's when, you know, when you're in bowl game practices, what does the Sugar Bowl mean to Nick Saban? Like, you should have fired Bill O'Brien well beforehand. He didn't do it, and I know this for a fact. I know for a fact that Pete Golding told Nick Saban in the middle of, Feb in the middle of November that he was going to Ole Miss. So he's had time. He's had time. Uh, 
and again, we talked about this Jeremy Pruitt thing last night. Go get Dan Mullen and call it a day. Now, I know that Dan Mullins is weird as a Adams family cast member, but he got the hair that could probably he could probably be in the Adams family. But nevertheless, he's a, Dan Mullen is a witch at calling plays. I will tell you, selfishly, if something happened to Mike Denbrock, I think because Brian Kelly is so secure in his position, at least have a conversation with him. Those two guys wouldn't work out. They're polar opposites. Would, would never work. Would never work. Ian on Facebook says third option for them shows they for them shows they settled. Yeah, I mean what's funny about the Ian Rappaport thing though, uh, just to, just for clarity, Ian Rappaport reported that Sean Payton was the fourth, third or fourth option for the Broncos. Adam Adam Scheffner said that is saying that that's a lie, so we got us a little bit of a source off. Nothing better than a good old fashioned sourcing off. <laughs> Chance Babbitt says rumor is that Coach O to Falcons due to Nelson relationship. Good for O. Good for O. Man, what coaching the D line? Good for Orgeron. Orgeron won't last in Atlanta, though. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I don't know how many of you have been to Atlanta, but you get on I-85, good luck. Could you see Orgeron? Hey, man, get the hell out of the way. <clears throat> Owen would not do well in Atlanta. He just really wouldn't. Father Bear got a little bit of a chuckle out of the Adams family. Brody Dupree says Dan Mullen looks like a teacher off of the recess, off of recess. Uh, Pooh Bear says some of these blondes are actually dudes. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Thailand either. I, look, I, look, I, you know, teach his own. I've been to Thailand. They were holding plays for gender, whatever you call that. Cold Case One says they could trade fields. For Fields, uh, too, Blake, word is Chicago wants Bryce or CJ with number one. Maybe. That'd be stupid. That'd be stupid. Well, what do I know? You know, what do I know? I mean, it's looking like it's going to be either Todd, uh, Todd Grantham or Jamie Pruitt as their DC. You know? It would be crazy if if, if Dan and Grantham were there. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. All right. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Please share to all of those social media groups. So many of you watching us live right now on Facebook. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Hit the like and share. Share to all of those groups. Share to your own social media pages. We greatly appreciate you doing that. If you're listening to us on YouTube, getting ever so close to 5,000 subscribers, rate, review, I mean, not rate, review, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. If you're listening to us still on SiriusXM or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you doing that. All right, we got some LSU Nas or National Signing Day is tomorrow. We'll talk about that coming out of the break. Is LSU going to add to their list of commits tomorrow? We talk about that after the break. We're back in one minute. Stay tuned. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, 
with the first to market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Vardo & Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you, and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs right then. Again, GM Varno & Sons, go see them over at 2500 Fuller Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell me, good friend, Blake Rafino, sit you on by. I got to be honest. <clears throat> I got to be honest. It's a little bit disheartening that National Signing Day, the February Signing Day, is not as big as it once was. It's like the Toby Keith song. I ain't as good as I once was. But I was good once as I ever was. It, February Signing Day is just not the same. Look, I think Nicholas Harbor, it looks like, and there's a really good chance that he's heading to South Carolina. LSU is out of that picture at the current, current moment. Now you have Jamal Howard Jr., a guy that's out of Chicago. Maybe some people believe it's between Wisconsin and LSU. We'll see how that turns over. But in reference to LSU making big waves tomorrow, I don't foresee it happening. I don't know where LSU ultimately lands with Jawan Johnson this upcoming Saturday. As I mentioned yesterday on the show at somewhat a little bit of length, <clears throat> I think that LSU might be in a little bit of a battle there with Jawan Johnson. It is sad a little bit that you have this situation, but you know what is good? You already have 13 guys at freshmen that signed and committed that are on your campus, they're inside your program. You got JV and Taviano, Deshaun Womack, so many great, talented young men that are already on campus. It is what it is. I think the only thing that LSU goes for at this exact moment is you go through spring, hopefully nobody else hits the portal. You're able to add some pieces from other players that are in the portal because either competition or whatever the case may be. But you really start uh, filling in your rosters. Do I think that LSU needs some more defensive tackles? Yeah. Do I think that Jamel, Jamel Howard Jr. is a guy that's going to instantly come in and give you high impact? No, I don't. So I don't really think it's that big of a loss. Now, I know that Jamar Kane went home with him. I think it was last Thursday before he went on his Miami visit. I think LSU's really trying to persuade him. I know Brian Polian was a part of that as well with Jamar Kane in that in-home visit. Nevertheless, I don't feel good, confident about LSU being or landing Howard tomorrow. I will just be 
let me say this sourcing and what my gut are telling me may tell me two different things. My gut just tells me not to be overly confident about Howard committing to LSU tomorrow. I will be with you regardless of what he does. I'll be surprised if he comes. I won't be disappointed if he doesn't. I'm just going to let it ride. It's where I currently sit. I just think that LSU's in such a really, really good spot to where they've really gained and garnered talent um, along that defensive line with a really good defensive line coach. I know that Pooh Bear, our producer, has him on all the time, but I think Makai Wingo is going to be able to take a little bit more of a rest and not have to play the 700, <clears throat> excuse me, the 777 snaps, which is number one in D1 football. He's not going to have to do that next year. I know that there are a lot of people that are talking about him. I talked with a Texan scout the other day. I talked with a Chargers scout, uh, I think, early uh, last week. And everybody is really coming to a forefront asking about Makai Wingo and others. Let's see what Mason Smith does. So I don't think that you're you're in a big issue here. I think that you got Deb Jalen Lee's on campus, and he's getting ready to go. The, the former Live Oak Eagle who went to Florida and is now back in Louisiana at LSU. I think you're fine there. Truth be told, and I know that we had this conversation with Carter Bryant last night, is I think this team's going to have to really rely on its offense early. You're going to up against Florida State. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow, I, I, I think either, yeah, tomorrow or, Pooh, is tomorrow Thursday or Wednesday? No, tomorrow's Wednesday. Tomorrow, uh, our good friends over Believe, who we are partnered with, will be coming out with my top 10. Florida State's going to be in that top 10. They're going to probably be in the top six. LSU's going to be in there as well. The Dolphins is going to have to lead you early. And a lot of people now, and as we'll talk about a little bit, some of the LSU, I mean LSU, we'll talk a little bit of the NFL and the, the Saints and the Broncos here in a minute because Sean Payton obviously went to the Broncos. It's, a, it's of my opinion, like people look at, at Jane Daniels as just a scrub, and he's really not. A lot of people are saying that Anthony Richardson's a first-round talent, and I sit here and start asking myself the question, I mean, does he have the upside? Yes, but what has he done? I think if you win week one, guys, sky's the limit for you to make the playoffs. We got a long time to talk about that. We got a whole baseball season. We got the rest of basketball season. We got the rest of women's basketball season to get underneath our belt before we even get there. My point is, is spring, poo, spring's, 60 days away, if not less. So when you're 60 days away from spring practice, guys, we're almost to the point where we're about to turn right around and we're about to get right back into it. I think Jane Daniels and, candidly, Garrett Nussmeyer and both, they're going to be leading your team here. Both of them are going to be team captains. Both of them are rallying. I heard a little sourcing. that they've been pretty lockstep with one another and and be and really competing with one another in a very healthy way, which has made this team a lot better. The only way that you do that is you, that you have to have two individuals, Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, that are wanting to go out there and compete. Tip of the cap to both of them. Tip of the cap to both of them. I think you're going to be dangerous. And I've been telling you that this offense is going to be dangerous for three weeks. Watch out. Watch out.
Now, the only other thing that I think that this team would look into from an offensive perspective, they're obviously looking at a center, and I think that they're looking at maybe a, a more experienced wide receiver if one hits the portal. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Pooh says, Wingo played all of those snaps with a torn labrum. <sighs> Boy, let, let me... <laughs> <laughs> the torn labrum story boy oh boy boy oh boy that was a doozy wasn't it <laughs> you got rudy poos not not anybody that reports on news you got fans out there you know god lord but he did say it on the golden boot i'll get i you know you gotta give credit where credit's due if you're gonna call people out you know maybe next time just shave your chin strap um all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh Blaine Smith says this weather is Rudy Pooh. Come on. Come on. Do guys, Roderick says, don't be alarmed. My kid is pressing the emojis. I don't know what happened. What happened? Uh Kenny Fudge says, wait until Hurley gets on campus. The kids look. I, I'm gonna poo. I'm gonna make a prediction. Colin Hurley is pause. Colin Hurley is a more well put together from a athlete body perspective. He, you know who he reminds me of? Tua. The attitude and talking with Colin as much as I've talked to him over the last month. The kids Tua man, same type of personality, same type of swag. I'm telling you, man. The kid squat, squat, dude, he squatted 405 pounds seven times. He's a junior. I think he just turned 16. He squatted 405 seven times. Some of you can't even count to 405, much less squat it seven times on a squat rack. Kid's an animal, man. Kid's an animal. And he doesn't have a chin strap. <laughs> Kid's an animal. T -t 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 today junior <laughs> oh damn that's wrong that's wrong true true but we'll see i don't have any look we're, i'm gonna go through tomorrow and if we report on stuff we report on stuff if we don't we don't i'm not expecting to i'm really not expecting to report now can i be wrong sure have no idea but i have my gut is telling me don't let me say, let me just say this to give myself an out on it because as of right now, so many things can happen from seven thirty all the way till eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Let me just say this: as of right now, it doesn't look good in LSU's favor. Okay, we'll see if something changes. If somebody can change it, I do think it'll be tomorrow. All right, we got to get to the Sean Payton thing, but let me get to Blaine Smith. He said, Jawan Johnson committing Saturday from LCAA to the Tigers from what I hear. Blaine, I would highly suggest, I mean, we put what we thought on the forum today. Um, go to AYSSnetwork.com. I don't, this is very much a Colorado, like I said yesterday, Blaine, like I said on the message board this morning, like I'll tell you right now, this is a Colorado and LSU matchup. Some of y'all going to get pissed. Now, do I think Jawan Johnson may ultimately end, like uh, we talked about this again? I'm repeating myself. Do I think Jawan Johnson would ultimately end up at LSU? 
Yeah, I do. Are they working it hard? Yeah, they are. I just think Dion. I think here's what I think, and here's what I know. I think that Dion knows that the kid can play, and I also think, and I also know that Dion knows that he needs he needs players. He needs players. I don't really have a whole lot of confidence. We'll just see. We'll just see. Got 10 months, man. You got 10 months before that kid will will sign somewhere, so you have a lot of time to make it up. A lot of time to make it up. All right. So let's get to the Sean Payton thing really quickly as Graham Coffey will be joining us in less than two minutes. We talked about it just in the opening, but Sean Payton is picking up his bags and he's going to Denver. I think it's a – look – I don't know how a lot of you will feel about Peyton going to Denver. This is just my opinion and thoughts. Does it suck to lose a really talented head coach? Yes, it really sucks to lose a very talented head coach. Here's the problem with that, though. Sean Payton was not coming back to New Orleans. Sean Payton retired to get away from you. Now, either you could have taken, either you could have taken the deal, which they did, and taking the first round pick, the second round pick, and then you having to send a third with Sean. Or you could have said, we're not dealing with that. Or we're giving the rights to anyone. And then let him sit at Fox for another year. And then when this time next year comes, rolls, rolls around, as so many people have reported, such as Adam Scheffner, Ian Rappaport, and others, you would not have gotten a first round pick for Sean Payton. Now... A lot of people will feel that, that that the Saints got taken out to the woodshed by Denver. I don't really believe that. I think that here's a scenario that you got to start playing with yourself. In your mind, not playing with yourself, pause. But I think that this is what you have to start thinking about in your mind. If Sean didn't want to be here, if Sean did not want to be in New Orleans, if Sean wanted to take his ball and go home, at some point you got to leave or let him leave. Here's the only thing. Here's the only thing that aggravates me about the Sean Payton thing. Really the only thing is that he's going to be in Denver. Okay. And the culture that he built in new Orleans is Mickey Loomis's excuse for holding on to Dennis Allen as a head coach. Sean Payton isn't bringing his staff with him to Denver from New Orleans. At least that's not what is anticipated. I don't think, you know, it doesn't look like he's bringing Pete Carmichael. Obviously, uh, Ryan Nielsen is a new DC in Atlanta. Chris Richard is getting interviews. I don't know what they're going to do. With that being said, though, I think that I, I really do believe that the Saints need to move on from everything Sean Payton. Get the pick. Maybe you could leverage it a little bit. Maybe if you have a quarterback that you really like that starts falling a little bit, you get to the 15th, 16th, 17th pick in the draft, and that quarterback's still there. Maybe you don't didn't expect him to be there. Maybe you could take that first and second round pick you got from Denver, trade up and go get your future franchise quarterback. With that being said, though, with that being said, though, I don't know if they're going to do that. Guys that potentially that could be there at 29. Uh, Apu Ika is a guy that will be there at 29. 
The Saints' defensive run game was one of the worst in the league. Now, the Saints went through a long transition of not allowing 100-yard rushers. They were 24th in the NFL at yards per carry. They were 24th in the NFL at yards rushing per game. Another guy that, look, LSU fans will love, but it's not going to happen, is B.J. Ojolari. I, I really do think B.J. is going to be there. Does LSU pull a trigger on a, on a stand-up defensive tackle or defensive end, excuse me, a, a Jack Backer? I don't think that they do that. The Saints have literally drafted Davenport. They've drafted Peyton Turner. For you to draft B.J. Ojolari when you've done that multiple times in the first round would be kind of a little bit of a wash. I think the Saints got to do whatever they got to do to get a franchise quarterback. He, and maybe not even a franchise quarterback at the current moment. Did y'all see that daddy long legs? That's what my wife calls me. Anywho, you got to do something better at quarterback. Sean Payton not one. Sean Payton going to Denver, I will just be holistically honest. Sean Payton going to Denver really doesn't get like like when the news came through the ticker and everybody's breaking the news I really didn't give a shit what did the Saints get let's go get a draft pick Sean don't want to be here screw him I I think that that is the I, I really do believe that that's the attitude that you have to have we'll see now look at that daddy long legs hiya what the fuck Man, it's been raining in Louisiana so much. We got fucking pterodactyls coming up in this bitch. The Bayou pterodactyls. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anywho, we'll see with Sean. All right, let's do this. Let's get to our good buddy, Graham Coffee. Talk some Georgia. Is Todd Munkin going to Tampa? What a dumb move that would be if he went back to Tampa. Don't, t- Munkin, don't go back to Tampa. Just don't do it. But let's talk about a good friend, Carol Foss, over at State Farm. Guys, he's been changing, changing the game, changing your rates. We get the Graham Coffee in 45 seconds when we return. Guys, you might know my good friend, Carol Foss, and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor, after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with the great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Foss has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. We're back! Graham Coffee. With the intro of a Texas quarterback saying that they're back. They're not back, Graham, are they? Hold on, I didn't hear you. You said, is Texas back? Yeah, as we're, as we're, uh, as we got, what's the quarterback's name? I forget his name every time. But as we got a Texas quarterback on the intro. Correct. As we, as we got a Texas quarterback bringing us back into the show here. Is Texas back? What do we got here? Texas is not back, but they're going to. They're going to think they're winning. You saw today games. that they said that they thought that their floor is 10 wins with the new schedule coming out. Did you see that? I did see that, which I think they thought that they think that every year though. Right. I mean, is that not accurate? Like, I mean, I don't know, man. They, they should like, they should based off the talent they have. They've, they've put what back to back top five classes together. Yeah. I mean, that's how it starts, but 
I'm going to say this and people aren't going to maybe like it if they're Texas fans, but I just think that they're kind of soft. I feel like that, you know, a lot of Sarkeesian coach teams, they're great on offense or good on offense. They're flashy. They do some fun stuff, but when it gets down to the trenches and they're facing better defensive lines and better offensive lines, they get pushed around. The only man that could save Texas Longhorn football. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. Walker, Texas Ranger. He's the only man that could come. <laughs> he's the only man that could come in there and save them. I'm fully convinced of that. But he could save us all if we're being honest here. You right? saw Trevet I mean, died. Pooh Bear, our, our y'all saw Trevet died. Broke my ever living heart, man. I did not see that. Actually. Yeah, the actor died. I couldn't believe it. All right, Graham Coffee joining us. Graham, Georgia is is coming off their second, their back to back national titles. <clears throat> right. Is Todd Munkin going to Tampa? Oh, man. That's a great question. If I knew the answer to that question, I could. (laughs) What's your opinion? A lot of hearts right now. What's your opinion? My opinion is that I'll say it like this. All right. Remember when Mark Rick was trying to hire Kirby Smart to come to Athens? And he tried a couple times, but the, the last time was, I think, you know, going into. 2015 and he ends up hiring Jeremy Pruitt instead because mm-hmm. smart turns him down. But the reason that Kirby turned him down is because Nick Saban was like, why would you take a job there working for Mark Rick when you could be the head coach there in a year or two? And that's kind of where I met with Todd Mockin. Like I know that he has NFL experience. Like they, he knows the, the people that are behind the scenes there in Tampa Bay that run things. He was the coordinator there for three years, 2016 to 2018. <clears throat> right. So why would you go work for Todd Bowles, who is – he's not a lame duck coach, but let's be honest, like there's a lot of question marks about that roster. You don't know who your quarterback's going to be. You don't know a lot of things. And, and I mean, Mockin has always wanted a situation in the NFL – where he has full control over an offense and isn't, you know, being meddled with by a head coach. Maybe the best way to ensure that happens is to be the head coach and call your own plays, right? Mm-hmm. Like to, to to pull a Sean Payton, for example. Um, I am very – this could go either way. I do know, you know, I, I mean, I reported on our website, Dog Central, tonight, like, he did have an interview today, as we all know, but he was at Georgia's conditioning session this afternoon, very engaged with his players. Uh-huh. Like, if he's decided to leave, then he hasn't – he hasn't decided to leave yet, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Doesn't mean he won't, but I think he stays, man. I do. Um, I would say, you know, the, the situation in Baltimore would probably be more attractive to him. Oh, no. Oh, no but, doubt. Especially if Lamar – I mean, they're going to tag Lamar. They're going to, you know, they, so – They better. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be – could you imagine Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson? It would be a lot of fun to watch. I, mean, <laughs> I would. It would. I, I wouldn't know. worry I, about Tampa. I would worry about Baltimore. Do you – are you in agreement there? Yes. Yeah, that's been my take all along now i don't know that the talks with baltimore are as serious as the ones with tampa i think you know that convert like those conversations have been 
they've happened, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that he's. I feel like Munkin and Harbaugh can just, you know, Harbaugh v- uh, invites Munkin over to a slumber party and ask everybody if they want a, a big, tall glass of milk. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I, I, this is brother. That's, that's I mean, job. I know, but I feel like both Harbaugh's drink love ice cold <laughs> glasses of milk. I think John Harbaugh is like. Five times more normal, than <laughs> which doesn't make that. him fully normal, but it does mean he's you know much closer than Jim. I think Jim Harbaugh is like one of the strangest guys ever. <clears throat> now, if if Munkin does go somewhere, hypothetically, yeah. really quick, Jeezy L Jeezy asks this question: Does Bobo get the OC? I'll I'll say this: I know that he's been more involved lately with recruiting quarterbacks, but. Georgia lost Buster Faulkner to Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. uh, and he was, you know, kind of the quarterback coach. Right. And, and you know, was was a really a bigger part, I think, of the offensive staff there than a lot of people gave him credit for. He's a good coordinator, but uh, or he was at, at Southern Miss. I think Mike Bobo is definitely automatically one of the two or three names, but Kirby has, you know, he, he – Promoted internally James Coley back before the 2019 season. And that blew up in his face. And that led to Monken being hired. So I think he's going to be cautious about, you know, making – like, I think Kirby went from a coach who was, like, everybody has to pull their weight in recruiting. And whoever you are on the staff, you better be an ace recruiter to, like, whoever my offensive coordinator is. Like, I don't really care how well he recruits. He needs to be able to talk to people, obviously, but his job is to design an offense and call plays, and that's going to be my utmost priority. So I think Bobo is probably the inside track, but if I was throwing a couple names out there, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, I would say Brian Johnson, Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach, who was young guy, a young guy. Right. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think he would be a pretty, Excellent recruiter. Does he have a connection to Georgia? Correct me if I'm wrong here. What's his connection to Kirby or Georgia? I don't, I don't think he has one. Okay. No. Um, but Monken was was totally unconnected too. I mean, I, I, with a lot of positions. Well, coaches, well, yeah, well Kirby, Kirby and Munkin were together at LSU for some time now. That's true. I forgot. A year, right? Maybe. Um, no, a no, year. no, they weren't together because Monken was there under Miles. Was he? Mocking was at LSU with less. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. You're probably right. I don't right. think Mocking ever worked for Saban. I thought he worked for oh. – I thought he was a wide receiver. Pooh, can we look this up he right quick? He was wide receivers coach. Right. But he was there – he was there 05 to 06. So, that would have been – That would have been That would have been Saban's last year. I think 05 was Saban's last year. I guess you're right. I was trying to think. Yeah, oh five was Saban's last yeah, okay. year. All right, so there there was all right. Well, I don't know. I, I think Johnson, <laughs> hey man, don't don't hey. challenge me on my LSU memorabilia. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Kirby was at LSU. No, he was not at LSU that year. He was only there in 04. Oh, okay. He was DB's coach. Okay. And then he went to Georgia as running backs coach, and then he was with the Dolphins. Okay, okay. See, we were both. Okay. All right. 
I wasn't right. I wasn't wrong either. <laughs> All right. So oh. I got a scenario for you. Tell me if you like this. You ready? All right. Hit me. Todd Munkin becomes the new Arizona Cardinals or any OC or head coach in the NFL. He gets one draft pick. And in the third round, with the 91st pick, dun, 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 this sound comes over the, the airways. Not that one. This one. <laughs> Stetson Bennett is reuniting with Todd Munkin. Right. What do you think? I would be shocked. <laughs> I'd be shocked into that. I, you know, I got like, I don't, I don't think Todd Mockin doesn't like Stetson Bennett or anything like that. Like I, I sat in front of him at, at media days before the national championship. And I asked, or someone asked, it wasn't my question. Someone else though, they asked, what was your favorite moment that you've had with Stetson to this point? And he was like, there's been a ton of stuff off the field, but keeping it to football, you know, he talked about that, that first national championship win against Alabama and like, you know. Bennett has a turnover inside the Georgia 25. Bama scores their first touchdown of the game. They take a lead, and next drive comes right back out, throws him down the field. So, like, I think he likes Stetson Bennett from a moxie. College like, quarterback type of thing. Well, I mean, we've seen him put the ball in his hands in tense moments and let him rip, right? And, and a lot of times in college, you really don't see teams go down swinging in a lot of situations because – they're, they're almost more afraid of the quarterback turning the ball over than they are of, you know, what happens if they don't push the ball down the field. It, it's like the – so, I mean, with Stetson, I think he trusts him to protect the ball and, and all of that. I just – I also think Stetson is he, – he needs to be a backup for a, a little while in the NFL, right? I mean, I know he's older, mm. but still, like, you got to come in and – Maybe him coming and learning a system, right? But I think if you're Todd Monken and you're in the NFL and Stetson's on the board, you maybe want to wait till, you know, the fourth or fifth round, not the third round. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you if you pick him there, maybe it, it looks like a reach to the outsiders or it gets labeled that because you were his coach, whether it's uh -huh. true or not. So, I, I don't know. I think maybe – for all of them, fresh starts and new voices could be healthy. We have a text inside the the hotline, and I'll I'll add our our, our uh, producer Pooh Bear's question here in here. Do you think that Stetson Bennett goes late in the draft because he's got to do community service after going and knocking on doors <laughs> this past weekend? And to add oh, to man. that, our producer Pooh Bear says, "Do you think it was a mistake that Bennett skipped out on the Senior Bowl?" I think it was a mistake to get arrested. I don't think it was a mistake to skip out on the senior bowl. And that's because I think at the end of the day, he wasn't going to put anything better on tape there than what he put on tape against TCU and in the fourth quarter against. Well, especially State. Graham and me and you talked about this. The best game that he's ever had ever anywhere was that fourth quarter against Ohio state. We talked about this yeah. last night on the show. He might have had, from a fourth quarter standpoint, now I want to see if you agree with me. I think that that was the best. I, I think that three quarterbacks had really good fourth quarters. Okay, 
that got them into the NFL. I think Jane okay. Daniels versus Alabama. I think Hendon Hooker versus Alabama mm-hmm. going 14 to 15. And I think mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett versus Ohio State was one of the better ones that we saw that's going to get him ultimately, in my opinion, drafted because how he tore up Ohio State. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think he would have gotten drafted either way, but I think like, that was one of those moments where, look, let's be honest, you don't see the Georgias of the world play against teams with equal talent very much because there's only a couple out there. And Ohio State is one of those teams that recruits, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State have kind of put themselves on their own tier in terms of recruiting and roster building. Like, yeah, it, it was, it was, and it's not just that he did it and they won. Those were some high level throws. And there's some throw, the, the first throw that he made on that final drive. Well, the first one was a, a check down, but the second throw he made was that deep curl route to Bowers. I agree. Where he had to wait forever for Bowers to, to, to clear and, and start his break. And he fits it in between three different guys and he's getting hit as it's happening. Like there's some high level stuff that he does in that fourth quarter. And you saw, you know, the next throw downfield to, to Jackson in between the, the, the AD Mitchell the throw, the AD Mitchell yeah. throws is top notch, man. You can't make a better throw. No. And he puts it up well before he ever hits his break. Right. So I, right. he, you know, it's so often in college football, you see quarterbacks throwing to guys who are open, but you don't see them throwing guys open. Open, right. And, mm-hmm. and Stetson Bennett really did a good job of that this year. And there became that narrative after Georgia just trounced TCU of like, oh, well, he's surrounded by four and five stars. Why wouldn't he? To an extent, that's true, right? But the only five-star pass catcher that Georgia had on their offense this year was Darnell Washington. And he was hurt for all but a quarter of the playoff, right? Like, like Brock Bowers is a four star, but I mean, you know, Georgia's receiving core wasn't, was probably the, you know, the, the least well-recruited unit on that team. And that's also a credit coming back to Todd Monken of what he was able to do with those guys and how he designed that offense. But Lad McConkie's not a, an easy target to hit necessarily. You're not talking about a, a dude with a, you know, 80 inch wingspan, like trouncing down the sidelines, <laughs> high point a ball 40 inches in the air. So I, I do think what he did this year is probably a little underappreciated. Um, but I don't know. The reactions with Stetson Bennett are always either so over the top or so, you know, let's discredit him. And I feel like there's very few people that kind of have like the proper Stetson Bennett take out there. He's a very divisive person at this point. One one hitter quarter question. Hmm. Does he drink Bud Light or Miller Light? Uh, Bush Light. Oh, I thought you were going to give me with a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay. Uh, PBR would be a good one too, man. Yeah. I, I think I think he was out drinking something a little stronger than Bro, was he really knocking on, on people's night. doors? You know what? <laughs> you know so what the Dallas – did you see this Dallas – uh, police report. Did you hear what they said? The complaint yeah, said he, he was yeah. knocking on random doors, singing, and I'm quoting the police report: "Knock, knock, knocking on Evans' door." <laughs> <laughs> I did not hear that. <laughs> that all right. So listen, I, it's horrible to laugh, but that shit's funny. Okay, like that shit's funny. Now I will tell you, it's a little aggravating. Look, you know, 
if you got small children, nevertheless, you know, look, I think we've all we've all been through there. <laughs> that, that man was playing ding dong ditch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like God. Stetson is kind of that classic never graduate personality. Right? No doubt. Like he didn't graduate till December, man. Like he, you know, he, wait, like this past December? A, yeah. Like he's he like twenty five. He didn't have the SEC graduate patch on his jersey this season. If you go back and look, right? Like, no way. I mean, he went to junior college and all that. So I mean, there. I'm sure there was stuff that happened with his academics, but point being wow i don't know man I, I think like his his whole life what he wanted to do was play quarterback at georgia and he lived probably it. never thought yeah and he he yeah he, he soaked up every minute of it uh -huh. I can't blame him for that but now i think he's at a spot where he does have an opportunity to play on a higher level but he needs to shift gears into like this is my job now you know right like hey either you're gonna be working at a bed bath and beyond like you're michael keaton from uh the other guys or you're gonna be an nfl quarterback all right this is a very loaded question and then i want to ask you a couple alabama questions and what your thoughts and yeah. takes are on them sure it is very difficult to to repeat graham it's damn near impossible to three-peat i mean it's not like they're little wayne in 2007 and they're trying to go the three-peat but right. man, Georgia's still going to be the number one overall team. Our top pre, you know, way too early uh, preseason top ten comes drops tomorrow morning. I believe I got Georgia at number one. I think if you win back to back national championships, it's a respect factor. How good do you think Georgia's going to be? Yeah, you have. To. I think that they are going to be better on defense than they were this year. Um, I think. I think they're going to be good, man. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, I think the big question mark probably is there's a couple questions on the offensive line in terms of who slides in, but you do have a Marius Mims back right. protecting that blind side. And then obviously it's the quarterback situation. Who's going to be the quarterback? In your I, I, I mean, Carson Beck's got the inside track on the job. But, now was Beck, Beck was the one that came in after Bennett in the TCU game, correct? Yeah, he was the backup all year, right? Like, and he, I mean, he had some plays where he would come into games. Now he was rifling it against TCU. Now he wasn't shying he's away. A, no, he's got a gun and and he can make all the throws. I mean, he was a highly recruited kid, six four, out of uh, Jacksonville area in Florida. It was a Georgia Florida recruitment for him, and. He's waited around for four years to try and have this shot. You got Brock Vandegrift behind him, who was a five-star, was committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma at one point. Mm -hmm. Physically, he has a lot of tools, but his delivery is kind of long and loopy, and they've never quite gotten that out of him. I personally believe it's going to come down to a battle between Carson Beck and Gunnar Stockton, who was a true freshman this year. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that will be the two that kind of end up duking it out as you move into fall. And Stockton is the kid that, I mean, he was the number one quarterback in the class at one point, and in the you know he kind of got moved down the rankings his senior year, but he broke Deshaun Watson's Georgia high school touchdown record. I like saw that, and and, and not and not only Deshaun's, 
Didn't he? Did I mean? Because he 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 was didn't he? He beat Deshaun's, but some with Trevor Lawrence too. Like yeah, what was the thing yeah, with Trevor Lawrence? Both those guys. Right, right, I right. Trevor broke Deshaun's, and then you know, I, so it it. But point being, he was as decorated a high school player as you're gonna find. Uh, I like. I mean, he dated Vince Dooley's granddaughter in high school. Oh, like he's kind of, you know, like Stetson had that story to him. This kid's kind of got that that sort of juice, I guess. Uh, like it's T- like in the lead up to the TCU game, he was on scout team and he's playing Max Duggan and he insisted on wearing a contact jersey to give the defense the best look, right? And he's the kid that like all, you know, all fall, you started hearing whispers, nobody on the team watches more film than this freshman. Like he's the one that I think acts like a starter already and has that kind of gravitas that guys are going to maybe rally around him. But Beck is the one that has been in Monken's system for three years. And we've seen him come into games and check out of plays and check into touchdown calls, right? Like he, I think, is stamped from that standpoint. But it is going to be interesting to see with all the pressure and all the, the focus on Georgia and this three-peat, you want the guy that's under center to also be one of the best leaders on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think that is going to factor into this whole thing. All right. It came me one more, but it's a very loaded one. Alabama tried to hire Washington's offensive coordinator. I we were going to talk about this. <laughs> you know what? Well, here, well, Graham, here's the problem that I have though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not as if Saban – like, Saban went out there and offered him, and the dude said, thanks, but no thanks. Well, yeah, well, he came to Tuscaloosa, apparently. That's R- Correct, and, and, and like, it's being reported by very wild, widely reno- – Pete Thamel, Russ, Ross Dellinger, that he was offered and then said no. Now, let me, yeah. let me just <laughs> – hey, I, I mean – I know that he's got Michael Penix Jr., okay? and But Washington's probably not going to win an Addy. Right. We got a little issue over here in Tuscaloosa. Now, the, the back-ended thought of that is LSU literally is returning everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a fact? So, this is a loaded question. Um, is, Saban, is, Saban, is Saban in a little bit of trouble? I think so, but I think that was the case already. Like, Georgia has a lot of juice right now, and everyone respects Nick Saban. He is the undisputed GOAT college football coach. Like, we all have seen what he's done. He also just had the most talented roster in college football history from a blue-chip percentage standpoint and lost two regular season games. And really lost to the only, you know, two teams that he played in the regular season that were good. You know, I mean, like that were that that could have beaten them. So it's interesting that Saban was always notorious for being hard to work for, right? That's uh-huh. always been the story on him. And that's why it was kind of absurd that Kirby Smart lasted there as long as he did, because a lot of guys are let me get in here for one or two years, get that Saban stamp, you know get that Alabama on my resume and go on. 
I wonder about that with a guy like Grubb is just, is this a quality of life thing? And yeah, like to everybody, it was worth going and dealing with Nick Saban's shit and his demanding personality when you were basically guaranteed if you stayed for two years to win a national title. Now, maybe is it is the, the payoff or the juice not worth the squeeze? I also wonder with with Nick, is he nearing the end maybe, right? Like, and is that becoming clear? And has that culture not eroded, but just changed to a point? I don't think Alabama has managed NIL as well Bingo. as some places have. Bingo. You know? I agree with that. I don't think they've managed the de-recruitment process. Yeah, they're still signing studs every year, but I don't know. I, this is this is silly. What I'm about to say is silly, but like, you don't really see a bunch of Georgia dudes like on TikTok dancing around, you know, like begging the college football playoff committee for a slot. And you saw that from <laughs> Bama this December, right? Like, it's just it's just different, man. Like those Bama dudes used to come out with an edge, right? And and they were all highly recruited then. But they played – they did what Georgia does now where it was like someone said we're going 7-5 and five this year. Nobody ever said Georgia was going 7-5. and five I know, two, but, I know. But they believed it. And that's – that's your job as a coach is to find that right spot on the dial where these kids are pissed off and honed in and also, you know, focused and not putting too much pressure on themselves. But well, I'm interested to hear. Like, what do you think? Of- I'll I'll have to send you that my clip, right? I'll just send it to you because it's really really long winded. Here's the truth: they blame Bill O'Brien for all of their offensive issues when it's not. It wasn't a Bill O'Brien issue. I'll give you one. I'll give you one stat that I think that show that sh- should show people that Nick. The discipline that Nick once had around his team is fading. Here's why. They had 17 penalties for 130 yards against Tennessee. They had 15 penalties for 100 yards against Texas. They only won by one. They had nine penalties for 93 yards against LSU. What's the problem there? They lost two of them. The year before, when they lost to Georgia and they lost to Texas A&M, Against Texas A&M, they had eight penalties for 94 yards. If you go back and watch the Georgia game, I want to say that they also had nine penalties. The problem has been, the problem has been with Nick over the last two years, they have talent, but when you shoot yourselves in the foot, now that's what's going to kill you. Graham, did you know that they were number fourth in the country in points, uh, uh, offensive points per game? They were averaging yeah. 41.4 points per game, and they were losing. Right. And they thought oh, that I they know. had a Bill O'Brien problem? Well, that and also, one thing I'll say about their offense is their offensive line play has been poor for... Bingo! Uh, they were 45th in the country in sacks allowed. Get this stat. I'll, I'll just see. I'll, when we get off, I'll text you the clip. Get this stat. They were 128th in pressures allowed last year. I believe it. And oh, Bryce was running for his absolute life. Yeah. And my take on Bryce is that he had a better season this year than he did last I year. I agree. He did, a, 
he did a ton and I have a ton of respect for him. Like if he's not on that team this year, they lose, they lose four or five games. Yeah. They lose. Yeah. They, they lose in Austin. They, they lose to Texas. Well, he didn't play against Texas A&M, but I, I, yeah, they lose three or four probably. And I think they get blown out by LSU. Okay. I think they get blown out by Tennessee. They would have gotten blown out a lot, man. They would have been blown yeah. out by some teams. And that's they would have struggled to keep up. They would have struggled team. to keep up. And they thought that they had a Bill O'Brien problem. You know, last thing I well, lied to you. The last thing that I would I would bring into this conversation, you know what's interesting to me, Graham? They really think that Jeremy Pruitt's gonna be their next defensive coordinator. Either Ty Grantham or Jeremy Pruitt. Let me just say this I mean, as an LSU what? guy. I do. N- I never, on God's green planet, want to hear about another school breaking any kind of rules. If Jeremy Pruitt is the next DC at Alabama, when he was literally putting fifty thousand dollars in a McDonald's bag and handing it out, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. am I wrong here? I don't want to hear about no, Will Wade not. anymore. Well, and I think that is. I mean, remember Nick wanted to hire Hugh Freeze as he OC did the the season after he got fired, and they let him go to Auburn. <laughs> I know, isn't that hilarious? I mean, I guess he kind of went off and did his time for five, seven years, however long it's been. But I do look at Alabama, and I've had this theory for a, a few years now, and I think it continues to to be more and more evident to me that this is the case. Is what used to make Alabama dominant was a focus on winning at the line of scrimmage. And that was the priority of everything. And it was, you know, we are going to hold teams into the teens or into single digits on defense. And we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage on offense and everything else will take care of itself. And it did. And then a, I don't know, about five years ago, maybe six years ago, you started hearing Saban change his tune and talk about you got to be able to score points to keep up these days. And these modern offenses, you can't slow them down. You can't shut them down. And you saw Kirby Smart come to Athens and basically the entire time he's been there, he said our goal is to give up 13 points or less a Mm -hmm. game. And – don't get me wrong. They gave up 30 to LSU. They gave up 41 to Ohio State. But when you have that mentality, I do think it's different. And I think that that Saban and Alabama got so enamored with making that offense attractive to recruits mm. and getting guys their stats that it, it's cost them. And, and that, you know, what used to make them so dominant was just they – played the way they did on the line of scrimmage and it kind of removed all doubt. And when everything became more focused on throwing the ball, it, it just adds more variables into it. And there's more variance and that variance has cost them football games. And I think Saban kind of fell into that trap of like, we've got to go spread And Georgia. I mean, Georgia had a 4,000 yard passer this year. Don't get me wrong. They're not, they're not stuck in the dark ages with their offense by any means, but I do think it's just a different mentality. And I think that, you know, kind of to finish this conversation where we started it with Todd Mockin, you look at what he's done the last two years. If he wanted to get Brock Bowers 1,400 yards, he could. If he wanted to get 
you know, some of these guys into the Bolitnikov conversation or get one of his running backs into the Doak Walker conversation, he could, but he is much more focused on just putting shit on tape that is going to keep you up at night as a defensive coordinator and establishing, Hey, we've got nine different guys that are come on the field as pass catchers that could, could hit you for an explosive touchdown play. We've got four different running backs that are going to come in. And by the way, you know, this one might motion out and play in a bunch set as a wide receiver or, you know, come out on a wheel route and, and hit you for a 40 yard pass. And it's just so much to concentrate on as a defensive coordinator that it kind of lulls you to sleep because there's not one thing that they do that you take away and all of a sudden they get kind of sideways. And I think with Alabama, the last couple of years, it's been the offense really runs through a couple skill guys. And if those guys are having a bad day or you're starting to knock them off the route, or you just have a, a good matchup with, with one of your defenders against one of those guys, then everything for Alabama looks so difficult. There's not easy yards that they get on offense against better teams. They're not tossing screens out to the edge and picking up eight, 12 on first and 10 pretty effortlessly. You know, there, there's so many things that are just kind of there for college offenses to take advantage of in a lot of cases. And they, haven't been able to block well enough up front to take advantage of those things the last few years. Jamison Williams had 79 catches for 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns last year. John Mechie had 96 catches, 1,150 yards, eight TDs. Alabama's biggest weapon this year, Jermaine Burton, 40 catches, 677 yards, and seven touchdowns. Don't tell yeah. me you have a wide receiver problem when George is out there lighting people up with Lad Mahonky, as I call him on our show. Lat Mahonka. Yeah. So, I mean, no, to your right. point, you know, to your point, you got more of an issue than what people believe. Well, I mean, one of the biggest plays of the Georgia-Ohio State game that no one will ever remember was the Georgia's second drive of the game. You know, they missed a field goal the first drive. Ohio State comes down, scores a touchdown. And very quickly, it's third and 10, and they're, you know, on their own 25 and Dominic Blaylock comes into the mm. game and he runs a little stop fade for, I don't know, 18 to 22 yards, something like that. And the back shoulder, route it was, more, it was yeah. like more of like a back shoulder, right? Yeah. Number eight, you know, to the field, off to Bennett's right towards the Ohio State sideline. And you're that. talking about a guy this year that he ran less than 150 routes for Georgia this year. <laughs> I think he ran 93 routes for Georgia this year. And he comes in and, he makes a clutch play, and he made a couple clutch catches against Missouri when Georgia was on the ropes up there. And that's just different, you know, when, when you've got wide receivers that know there's not a star there in that room this year that it's, it's, that's going to be a first-round pick here in a couple months. But there's a bunch of guys that do their jobs and know how to run their offense, and they come out in big moments and they execute. And that's really, you know, it's kind of a pro mentality in that sense. Graham Coffee, Dog Out West. You can follow him on Twitter, buddy. This has been really good. Buddy, I always enjoy it. I really do. I got. I'm. I'm gonna get you back on our show here in the next couple of weeks. So, I'm a you peacock. Up. You gotta let me fly. I'll let you fly, Cap. <laughs> All right, Graham. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, take care, brother. All right, later. That's Graham Coffee, Dog Out West. Really good. SEC, Georgia. Anything that you want to talk to him about. He does absolutely phenomenal in. 
All right, guys, we will go ahead and wrap it up. We're an hour and 11 minutes in here. I think Pooh Bear wants to go night-night, he said. Blake, I got to go sleep. <laughs> I'm just messing. All right. LSU basketball game tomorrow at 8. We'll do a Rafino and Joe show, and we will also do AYS 6 and 7 o'clock, and then LSU basketball, yippee, against Alabama tomorrow at 8. So it's going to be an interesting day. Until then, we'll see you all tomorrow. Y'all have a good night. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.